0: It's Farmer Friday on AgPhD Radio. Thanks for joining us. I'm Darren Hefty.
1: And I'm Brian Hefty. So today is Farmer Friday. We would love to hear from you all throughout the show. Our phone lines will be open 844 44 AGPHD. That's 844 442 4743. You can email us radio at agphd.com or find us on Twitter, AGPhD Media, Darren Hefty or Brian Hefty. We are live in the Morton studio today. I guess every day we make a quick mention on this COVID-19 thing. I would say in our state where we live, we only have 58 reported cases in the entire state. So uh, at least so far, it hasn't hit super hard here.
0: According to a local press conference, Brian, they said we have two people in the hospital in Sioux Falls. And I, I thought that was interesting. Somebody had asked him, you know, what about hospital beds here? So far, we're pretty fortunate.
1: Yeah, I I don't know about the entire state, but I know two days ago, I think it was two days ago, the governor was on and then her number one health person, whoever that was, I'm not sure, but they said, yeah, there were only two of the patients hospitalized. So two, that's uh, that's pretty good. And anyway, I mean, the more we can do on this isolation thing, the better off we are. So even at our office, we're having some people work from home trying to do everything Darren and I are keeping our distance so <laughs> that's okay anything with me we can do I, I'm not complaining about that yep but the the thing we've been talking about so far here over the last couple of weeks is if you're a farmer get your inputs now get everything on your farm and then you can be isolated for a while and the whole thing is you might say well it's inevitable I'm going to get it sometime and that could possibly be true. I don't think so, but it could possibly be true. But let's face it, the longer you wait, the better chance you have that there is some cure, some vaccine. Uh, I mean, just they're, they're going to learn more about this all the time. So the longer we can wait, the better off we are. But anyway, I mean, I, what I've found so far, just in talking to farmers, agronomists and people around the country, I mean, more than anything, it's fear. And I just keep telling people, let's not panic. Do everything you can to get your mind off it, okay? So, in other words, take the proper steps that you have to take. Try to be as healthy as possible. Stay away from others and all that. But then, let's try to get our minds off it. Well, how can you get your mind off it? For me, it's talking farming. So when we start thinking about this spring and changes we're gonna make on our farm, Darren, I want you to, so I'm gonna pose this question to you and then I'll I'll see if I can come up with it too. What are the top, let's say two or three three things that maybe we're doing slightly different this year or or maybe things that we're really focused on so we can get more yield on our farm. Because honestly, my goal is I want a full field averaging 300 and I want a full field averaging 100, talking corn and soybeans. So 300 corn, 100 soybeans. I just at least want one field. That's my goal. I've never had a field hit 100 on soybeans average. Never had a field hit 300 average on corn. I think we can do it this year, but Darren, what are maybe two or three things you can think of that you would say we're doing this year that's a step in the right direction.
0: Well, definitely better focus on our planter, no question about that. And we run a couple different planters and that that's always a challenge for us cuz we just have multiple people going in multiple places. So we've got variable well, we field get new conditions equipment all the time, I think is yeah, where you're going We've with got that. variable yeah. field conditions too, so that means you've got a more times than normal be out checking things so that's a big change for us and I'm really excited to see if we can can do a significant better job and get a better stand that's one of the things that I've complained about is just you know what our seed bed hasn't been perfect our furrow hasn't been perfect just a a lot of little adjustments along the way that we could do better and I I realize it's never going to be perfect but if we can get a lot closer to perfect that would be great so that's one thing uh, one other thing, kind of a side thing, might be a slightly different conversation than what you're sh- shooting for here, Brian, is silage. We're really focused more on silage this year on some of our acres working together with a neighbor that has a dairy and really excited about some of the studies that we're doing there to try to pack more nutrition into the silage and see what kind of an impact that can have on the dairy cattle and on milk production and so forth. So that's really excited. I'm excited about that. And then the other thing would be micronutrients. We've been trying to get our arms around boron. We think we're making some progress there. We're still learning about manganese a little bit more and trying to get that one lined up just right. So we've got some of our ground, especially newer ground that we've picked up or ground that we had been renting that we have purchased. These kinds of situations where we're trying to fix some of those situations and micros are are one of the things that I would say would be maybe a little different conversation than what others might be having that, that we're trying to address as well.
1: Okay. So I would say for me, we started doing a bunch of one acre grids last year, did a lot more this year. So I, I, I think the fertility thing is the number one key for us. Now we put a bunch more tile in And you know how it works. Okay, we've had two super wet years in a row. The wettest on record in the history of the state of South Dakota have been the last two years. So you know what this year's going to be. It's going to be hot and dry instead. But we did put in a whole bunch of tile. So that was one of our big things that will take out more of the bad spots. We had tile, just not enough for double normal rainfall. Well, now we do in a lot of fields, and I feel much better. So one-acre grids, tile... Darren, you mentioned boron and manganese, but I would throw out two other nutrients that were big. One was sulfur, and we thought we were going to have more sulfur on last year than we did because we thought we were going to get more compost and manure, but it didn't happen because of all the wet conditions. This year... A little bit the same thing in the fall of 2019, so this spring we've been out spreading a lot of ammonium sulfate already, and just getting more sulfur in total on the field, sulfur is ridiculously important, and sulfur is also leachable, so when you have double normal rainfall two years in a row, you know what the sulfur levels are, they're way down. Copper in soybeans is a real big key for seed coat elasticity and just better overall seed quality. We raise a lot of our beans for seed, but then also copper does make a difference in terms of disease control. And we have a lot of disease issues more in soybeans than we do in corn in our region. So I think that's going to be a real big key. And then the last thing that I will throw out is more phosphorus. And I realize this seems really elementary. But the last few years, we actually had more of an emphasis on micronutrients because we said, well, we got our NP and K way up. We better get our micros up. So we took some of our NPK dollars, put it into micros. Well, we went a little too far. (laughs) And we cut back a little too much on phosphorus. Now we got to get a little more on phosphorus. But I think the fertility thing is really going to help us as we continue to fine tune that here over time. Again, it's Farmer Friday. We'd love to hear from you. 844-44-AG-PHD. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with your phone calls.
3: Challenging field conditions often make harvest difficult. Can your corn head handle it? The GTS X10 corn head from AGRA US is a rugged, cost-effective alternative to heavier, more traditional heads. Constructed of durable, yet lightweight aluminum, the X10 puts less strain on your combine without losing harvest effectiveness. And it is 40% lighter than traditional heads, reducing field compaction in those less than ideal conditions. For more information, give us a call at
4: 8334-AGRA US. How do you know when to run your grain bin fans? There's an app for that. With the Steps GMS app, you can manually turn your fans on and off from your smartphone. You can also configure the Steps GMS app to automatically turn fans on when the humidity or temperature is ideal to keep your grain in top-quality condition. Save yourself some time and take the guesswork out of managing your stored grain with the Steps GMS app. Contact us at StepsGMS.com for more information.
0: Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton Studio today on Farmer Friday. Taking your calls and questions all throughout the show today at 844-44-AG-PHD. Boy, it was fun to start off the show talking about what we're excited about this growing season out in the field. We'd love to hear what you're working on at home, too. Let's head down to Oklahoma to start things off with Trent. How you doing, Trent? Good. How's it going? You know, not too bad. Kinda of ready for the season to start here. How about in Oklahoma? When does the season start for you? How soon do you guys start planting?
5: Well, if things would dry out, I'd start planting right now. Actually I probably would have planted a week ago if things would have dried out. But I'll take the rain. Don't want to complain. <laughs> I know. We might
0: we might need that down the road a little bit, so that's okay. Yeah. So what's on your mind today? No, Are you thinking about soybeans?
5: Yeah, um, how does – how do I go about picking what group for what time period in my area? You know, uh, I've heard you guys – I've heard Randy Dowdy speak at your guys' stuff. I've heard you guys talk, and uh, one of the big things that I've always heard was you want to try to get your beans – in fully reproductive mode by the summer solstice and down here it's almost impossible to get anything shorter term than a four two soybean
0: just in terms of suppliers in the
5: area having yeah i mean nobody nobody plants a group three or anything less than that down here i mean it's like foreign to them and I tried a little bit of group 3s last year and I just want to know um, is that what I should be shooting for to try to get a early an early bean early You know or it, it I would be really, with the long groups
0: it it'd be really fun to see what a difference it can make. I know uh, I was talking to a grower uh, across the border over in Arkansas from you and yeah, same thing in his area. A lot of guys planting in the mid fours, even early fives, mm-hmm. and and yeah. he said, you know, what what do you think about the threes? This was a couple years ago, and I said, you know, I think I'd give it a shot with a three eight, three nine, something like that, and see how you do. You still got great yield potential there, and and actually now the last two years he's had a three eight or a three nine extend bean be his highest yielding being on the farm better than all his fours and with the same strategy you're trying to do plant them early try to catch a lot of those long sunlight days while they're flowering and he's he's done well with that so yeah i I wouldn't have any issue with that and you know most seed suppliers if they're uh national or a, a larger regional have got access to different things where they could pull some seed down from a dealer further north, those kinds of things. And, yeah, you pull something out of Kansas or or Missouri and catch some of the group threes that are up there. I I think if you order ahead, I think for the most part you could get that. But, yeah, I agree, not many people are going to talk about it, but it's certainly something to try in a small amount of acres, see how it works out, make sure you find the right fit for your geography, for disease tolerance and so forth. And Mm -hmm. I, I would absolutely run with that.
5: So what are the, you know, when you go lower than a a three, I know up there you guys have, you know,
0: twos oh oh yeah on our farm we're raising twos and ones and uh, last year we even had a group zero that uh, you mentioned randy dowdy that randy was raising at our field day site he had a 0.7 i believe being just to see what would happen and he had pretty good yielding soybeans with the group zero so yeah there's there's way earlier are they
5: supposed to fit in really that that group of Well,
0: normally group zeros would be North Dakota, the northern half of Minnesota, that kind of thing. And and, uh, group twos normally uh, the southern half of South Dakota, southern Minnesota, down into Nebraska, northern Iowa, those kinds of things. That's about where the cutoff is. Okay.
5: So you think uh, 3.8, 3.7, three, somewhere yeah. in there is probably I, where I should go? I think so. Early. I,
0: I would try that. And, okay. you know, what you could do, too, is you could ask your seed supply, you know, just for fun. Get me get me a couple of units of some of the earlier things and just see what they do. Like for our farm, one of the things that I really enjoy uh, over the years, with the, especially the Ag PhD field day, is we've planted a lot of different maturities, just trying to show people who might be coming to our field day we'd have a double zero, all the way down to something in the group fives and you know Mm -hmm. are the fives going to make it no they're not going to make it here but but uh, they would look like soybeans at least at the field day. it's kind yeah. of fun just to talk about some of the differences in plant types. So yeah, you might you might even, if, if you want to have a, a mess out there. Now for, for you, those early beans, I don't know what they're necessarily going to do in Oklahoma when you get really early. But for us, the, the later beans that are way out of our maturity here just end up, we, we just have to disc them under is about all we can do. But, uh, oh, really? but yeah, twos and threes, you know, I'd, I'd be more interested in threes where you're at. They have more yield potential than than the twos for you i think okay but but you can sure and try. then
5: so like a, a double crop bean after i cut my beans off so we'd say like end of june first of july depending on harvest um would i go ahead and go with a four a mid four or do i go with threes again
0: but that's a great question i really don't know trent I, i'm not sure i know in some parts of the country. Well, here, guys, going with determinate beans, so like group fives, just so they mm-hmm. they have a set window of when that thing's going to flower, it's going to grow and do its vegetative growth first and then flower. For me, I guess along the strategy that you were talking about, having longer day length during flowering, I might go with an indeterminate, like you're saying, and a shorter season bean. I don't know what to tell you on that. I I would think you'd probably be in something similar to what you're putting in the first time, but. But okay. yeah, I, yeah, I really don't. So know. it
5: wouldn't hurt anything to try some late threes double crop wise. I don't because normally everybody tells us to do a four or five to a five for double crop. Sure. And I'm guessing it's just because they're determinate.
0: Uh, not at a four or five, but if uh, once you get up into the fives, they would be. And in the group four is that okay. like most of the group fours. It uh, I don't know just about all they're group fours I can think of are indeterminate. Yep okay okay awesome well sounds good trent good luck well, uh good yeah, luck trying um, your early beans
5: yeah um how's your guys's winter wheat looking you know down here it looks really good
0: yeah we don't have any this year so uh, on our oh, farm really? anyway okay No, there certainly hasn't been a lack of moisture, though, up here. So if if anybody is in a super dry area, they they definitely got moisture. And, and, you know, we had a fairly mild winter, so I guess we'll see as things start to green up. We're we're just kind of getting there where the frost is still coming out, and we'll find out how things look here in the next few weeks.
5: Yeah, uh, actually, I'm doing some dirt work right now, and I've already uh, witnessed grasshoppers and ticks. So if that tells you what kind of winter we Ooh. had.
0: Yes. <laughs> that's pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, we can we can hold off on those. T- we'll let you keep those down in Oklahoma or else you can treat <laughs> yeah. for them, Trent. Maybe just wipe them out and, and <laughs> that would be a great That'd idea. be good. <laughs> but, well, hey, good luck to you, Trent, as, as you head into planting season. I hope it dries out for you real soon so you can get rolling. Okay. Thanks, Darren. You bet. Thank you. Uh, let's head out to Indiana. We've got Harold with us right now. Harold, how you doing? I'm just.
5: Doing all right for now. Hopefully, sure. Wish sure. for a
0: good market. Oh yeah. Look you,
5: for some dry ground.
0: Yeah, it's yeah. No kidding. Hard. No kidding. You guys like have fun. sure had some had some issues already. Well, what are you thinking now? I understand you were you were talking about uh, uh, liquid fertilizer and and what you're doing. So what? Maybe give maybe frame up your question. We're going to be up against the break here in another minute or so, and then we'll we'll get you an answer right after that.
5: Okay. What it is is I got a corn planter that I I got rid of a two by a corn planter. That was a two by two, and now I have a corn planter that's direct fertilizer onto the seed. Okay. And I was wondering what I should do for my liquid fertilizer because I I was using a ten thirty four oh fifty fifty blend with urea. Okay. And I want to know how I can get that nitrogen back in there.
1: You can't. Or
6: so like go ahead and side dress?
1: Yep, you can't. So you you can't well, put nitrogen on the seed, I mean, at any right. level at all. Well, we so,
0: we have different good. strategies. So a lot of times we'll end up using some nitrogen in, in with our pre-emerge herbicide, and that that could be one way to put it out there. Or Yes, you could certainly side dress or lay by.
6: Okay, good. I'm glad I didn't do what I was going <laughs> to try it like before and that's a good idea it's just not going to kill
1: it yep so i'll tell you what harold we'll talk about it just a little bit more after the break if you want to hang on you sure can otherwise you can hang up and listen as well but we'll get into maybe some of the options there and and just talking a little about the safety and the reason why we don't want that nitrogen down in that furrow stay tuned this
3: is ag phd radio The GrainTemp Guard from FarmShop MFG has helped farmers keep their bushels safe from spoilage and shrinkage loss in bins all across the country, and this low-cost solution just became even more affordable. FarmShop MFG is offering a $100 factory rebate on all GrainTemp Guard bin monitoring systems. This offer is available for a limited time only, so take advantage of this program now to upgrade your bins and protect your crop investments. For more information, visit farmshopmfg.com.
7: You deserve to have a building that will last for generations. With more than 110 years of experience and thousands of satisfied customers, Morton Buildings is the industry leader you can trust. Unlike other construction companies, you work with Morton Buildings craftsmen from conception to completion. There's no better time to buy. Lock in your new building for 2020 today. Contact your local Morton sales office or visit mortonbuildings.com
3: when it comes to my weed control, I know a head start can go a long way. That's why I spray early, so I can keep control all season long with a
7: Roundup Ready Extend crop system, the system that makes the difference. This is my field. Choose the Roundup Ready Extend crop system for control of more weeds than any other soybean system. Featuring Extendamax herbicide with vapor grip technology to manage tough to control weeds, including up to 14 days of soil activity, along with the field proven performance of Roundup Ready to Extend soybeans. Now you have the right tools to extend your weed control and extend your yield with the system that makes the difference. Learn how you can put the system to work in your field when you visit RoundupReadyExtend.com. Extendamax is a restricted-use pesticide. Performance may vary. Always read and follow grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. Check local regulations for specific requirements in your state.
8: Before it's too late and white mold becomes a problem, you need to ask your seed dealer for heads-up seed treatment. When raising soybeans in the Midwest, you know the risk of being caught unprepared. As heard on Ag PhD, there are several steps you can take prior to planting for a successful management plan against white mold. Compatible and cost-effective, season-long protection starts now by asking your seed dealer to apply Heads Up to your 2020 bean seed order. For more information, visit headsupst.com.
3: Your land is a legacy, a challenge from those who tended it before you to build on their foundations. At Corteva Agriscience, We understand what it means to be the stewards of a legacy.
1: We embrace the challenge of building on the foundation of Dow AgroSciences to maintain your trust, to bring new solutions, to help you care for your land. See how we can help build your legacy at rangeandpasture.com. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. Right before the break, we're talking to Harold from Indiana about what he should do. He switched his planter from 2x2 two two to in-furrow. Our concern with in-furrow is always the same. It's getting too much salt on or near that seed. So just a few things that we will usually talk about is, number one, switching to a low-salt fertilizer. 10 0 he brought up, is a what we would consider a high-salt fertilizer. If you put on, let's say, 3 gallons of 10 0 per acre in a 30-inch row, that's roughly five pounds of salt per acre. That's a lot. That's our absolute max that we would ever, ever recommend. So, if we were gonna use 1034 O on our farm, we'd probably only use a gallon or two. Uh, otherwise, you could switch to a low salt product. We use Pro Germinator and Sure just for example, lower salt products, and we don't have that, don't have near as much issue. Another thing you can do is blend it off with water. This is a trick we learned from Francis Childs. He was the first guy in the, in the US growing over 400 bushel corn consistently and he blended off all his infra fertilizer with water and we said francis why are you doing that and he goes well think about it i'm diluting it down now i actually get better coverage and there's less chance that i'm going to hurt any seed if the fertilizer comes in contact with the, with it or or even the the young roots I've diluted it down. I'm still getting the same amount out there, but I just don't have it quite so concentrated in any one spot. So I thought that was a great idea. And the other thing is you got to look at which specific products are you using when we start talking nitrogen, that gets us really worried. Certain potassium products get us really worried. Even micronutrients. Got to be a little careful with exactly what you're putting in there. So we just always encourage you keep the salt low when you're going in furrow otherwise if you've got more to put on especially nitrogen nitrogen is pretty easy because it will move through the soil profile so you can lay it on the surface of the soil you can put it down in the soil you can come back and side dress you've got lots of options there when it comes to nitrogen so yeah i i like some two by two nitrogen but i will not recommend much rate at all of nitrogen in the furrow yeah it's fine if it's just a Three, two or three gallons of 10 is technically some nitrogen there, but you think about it, it's not much. So we just have to be really careful with that stuff that's in the furrow. All right, well, again, today is Farmer Friday, and if you want to call into the show, it's 844-44-AG-PHD. That's exactly what Brent did from Minnesota. Brent, how are you doing today? Hey, pretty good. How are you doing? Good. So what's happening on your farm right now?
6: Not too much. You know, I thought it was going to be a warmer day out, but uh uh, 24 degrees up here in, by Thief River Falls and and uh, just kind of in the house today.
1: Snow gone yet?
6: No, we got uh, plenty of snow. I, I'm pretty sure I could take the snowmobile across to, uh, any part of the field still, so it's kind of a waiting game.
1: Sure. So, how did last season turn out? Were you able to get the crop off before all that snow hit up there?
6: Um, We did. We were fortunate enough to do that. Uh, we don't plant any corn, um, but it was one of the last days there before the snow came. Uh, we, we were able to finish up our soybeans, and, you know, like everybody else, uh, it's not very good, uh, you know, field conditions, but we got them done.
1: Well, that's good. You know, it's one of those things we talk about all the time. In an ideal world, we would not like to have to mud the crop in or mud the crop out. But every once in a while, you just have these situations where you go, look, I got to get stuff out. I got to get done here. And so we've certainly done it on our own farm, just about everybody has. And we just have to hope for a better, a little easier year in terms of weather this year. So anything you're looking at doing new and different this season on the farm?
6: Well, um, we, we might have to experiment a little bit with, uh, like we do a little, a fair amount of barley. So oh. we do have our barley ground worked up and we hate to go barley on barley, but with the ruts that we've left, we, we're going to have to see how that works up. Like in our soybean stubble. Yeah. You know, it's just, uh, you know, it's, it's one of these things we're going to have to see the timing. If we can yep. get the cultivator across, maybe twice, uh, you know, I'm not sure exactly how it's going to go. And if, we're we're sure hoping for an early spring up here, probably like everybody else. Yeah.
1: So when do you normally like to seed your barley?
6: Well, it's the first stuff we put in normally last week April, first week of uh May is is our you know, that's kind of the normal up here. Anything in April is a bonus, I guess.
1: Sure. Yeah. So, in you mentioned soybeans. There, are you doing anything different acreage wise this year? I mean, I know there are a lot of guys starting to plant corn up there. You have a lot of different crops you could raise. Do you see your
6: rotation changing much? You know, not too much. We're gonna we do about twenty five hundred acres between my dad and I, and and uh, you know, fifteen hundred of that'll probably be soybeans, and and uh, you know. Normally, the the ground, you know, in normal conditions uh, on a normal year, everything rolls right in. But it's going to be kind of a challenge to get these ruts worked back. And I guess uh, if some acres are beans on beans, you know, for sure you're going to be putting down a pre-plant and, and, uh, you know, starting out as, as best we can.
1: Yeah, let's just, like you say, hope for a warm spring. I mean, we've actually been way above normal down here for temp. So our snow, we lucked out, it's gone. I was telling some people on, or just saying on the show, I guess, a day or two ago, Last year on April 7th, our frost was at 41 inches deep, and this year by April 7th, there's a good chance the frost is going to be out of the ground. So, I mean, whatever it is, we're just hoping for a little warmer conditions, and hopefully uh, we have a good year this year. Hey, Brent, thanks a lot for calling in today. Really appreciate it, and best of luck to you here in 2020.
6: All right. Thank you very much. You bet. Thank you.
0: Let's head over to Illinois next. We've got Mike on with us. Mike, thanks for joining us.
2: Hi, how are you guys today?
0: Good, good. What's happening on your farm? Are you working on the, in on things in the shop, or are you outside doing anything?
2: Well, it depends on the weather. We've had a lot of damp, cloudy days and a little bit of mist and rain. And days I can do something outside, I do. And if I don't, we go in the shop and work on some stuff. So we kind of keep the basis covered that way.
0: Have you got the planter already? Have you changed anything on it this year?
2: uh almost i just got to do a little in, a few little just uh, maintenance uh make sure the disc openers that type of thing are set where they're supposed to be nothing major on it so um it's nearly ready to go you know, i really didn't have any any new changes to do on it i run starter and uh, real cleaners that type of thing so it should be set and ready to go
0: when it comes to your soil conditions for planting, did you get things worked up in the fall or are you set where you've got a decent seed better, or you gotta do a little work on that this spring yet? Well
2: last year since the spring was so wet, I didn't get any strips made in the in the fall. And last spring I made my strips in the spring. I didn't put any fertilizer down, just made strips. That worked really, really well for planting corn. That ground awesome. warmed up and that corn just took off. So I'm planning on doing that same thing this year with my corn. As soon as it dries up, we'll put some chemicals down and go in and strip that. And if the temperature is right, we'll plant that corn. So
0: so what's the trick to that, to getting those spring strips to work? Is it using coulters? Are you staying shallow? What What are some of the things that worked out well?
2: Yeah, I re- use molnize, raise it up a little bit. Don't go quite as deep as I would in the fall. Uh, and you know, just get make sure you get a good mound. Uh covered
0: yeah it's interesting you know we do a lot of fall strip work too and and uh getting spring stuff is sometimes a challenge just in the fact of getting it dried out kind of like what you were talking about today it's just been wet and damp and and uh, you got to wait for the right weather to make that thing work but uh that's good did you do did he do any broadcast fertility out yeah, there then sure. if you can't do it with the strip
2: yes we do all that in the fall so okay that worked out. That worked out stream. Well, I know I got started on the planter too. So we're putting some down in a row.
0: Yeah, it's it's a challenge when you got to change everything up. How about rotation? Are you going to stay kind of the same rotation you normally do or are you switching anything there?
2: Yeah, I, I, I stay at a 50-50 corn soybean rotation. I wasn't going to change anything.
0: Yeah, that's probably a good deal this year. I know uh, some farmers that I've been talking to yeah. that were going to do a bunch of corn on corn. They're like, man, this market really turned on us. Now, all of a sudden, i are going to have to go back to the corn-soy 50-50 kind yeah. of thing. well, as fast, it, as
2: fast as it turns one way, it usually turns back the other real fast, too. It can, so who knows?
0: <laughs> that's true. That's true. That's, that's the one thing we know about the market. It's going to stay unpredictable. Yeah. Well, Mike, good luck to you I here. Ahead. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I think Mike.
2: Are time, so.
0: well, well, Mike, uh, thanks for joining us today. Really appreciate it and good luck. You're heading into the spring.
2: All right. Well, thank you. You guys have a good spring too.
0: You bet. Thanks. Yeah, it's going to be going to be interesting. Like Mike was talking about some of the areas that are that are getting some challenging spring weather. We got a little bit of time. It's not like we're at the last minute here to to get the crop in the ground, but I uh, we know we've got some rain coming up here on the farm as well. Hopefully after that, we We get the rest of the frost out, get things dried out, and get going. It's Farmer Friday on our show today. We'd love to hear what you're working on on your farm. Our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD.
8: You need a powerful herbicide to fight the war on weeds.
4: High-yield corn growers know that feeding the crop and soil are keys to maximizing yield potential. Nutex EDA and Reverb are specifically formulated to help manage limiting factors associated with today's farming conditions. NewTex EDA works within the plant to support nutrient mobility and utilization. Reverb focuses on the soil, providing beneficial trace elements which help condition the root zone for optimal microbial activity. Low use rates and superb tank mix compatibility make NewTex EDA and Reverb no-brainers in the High Yield Grower Toolbox.
7: Success isn't just about maintaining your operation, how you make out for the season, or how much you can get from each acre. It's about doing precisely what needs to be done to feed your crop and grow your legacy, all the way down to the last drop. AgroLiquid Precision Crop Nutrition. Apply less, expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com.
8: You're all set with the 4x4 turbo diesel truck. How about some options? Spray and bed liner? Absolutely. Tailgate step and Nerf bars? Gotta have them. Tie down hooks and stainless steel toolbox? You know it. Tinted windows? Of course. Options are good. That's as true in the field as it is with your pickup. In addition to taking care of tough weeds, new Open Sky Herbicide gives you more rotational choices than ever before and an easy to handle formulation. <laughs> Goose deck toe package? Yep. Discover more Open Sky details at OpenSkyHerbicide.com.
3: How much yield did you lose the moment you planted your seed? Introducing the Germinator Closing Wheel from Farm Shop MFG. Designed and built by a farmer tired of seeing yield loss from poor stands, the Germinator gives your crop the strong start it needs for maximum yield. Visit
2: FarmShopMFG.com. Avoid dry run failures with the new Hypro Force Field Pump. Providing the ultimate protection, this wet seal pump will save you on costly in-season downtime to keep your sprayer running. Now all you have to worry about is the weather. Hypro, helping
0: you spray better. listening to ag phd radio on farmer friday that means our phone lines are open all throughout the show for your calls and questions 844 44 ag phd is the way to connect you can also send us an email radio at dot or find us on twitter ag phd media brian hefty or darren hefty let's head back to the phone lines we've got marty with us down in kansas marty how's it going
9: hey i've, I've had better
0: uh-oh! You got some rain down your way too.
9: Oh, good grief! We're in this, we're in as worse shape, the same shape or worse than we were last year. As far as moisture, we got we still got combine ruts to work up. Uh, we've worked thirty six hours straight, work ground in twenty twenty, wow. and then we got rained out. So we got we got the fertilizer on, but we've got ruts that need to be worked up. All of the corn ground still needs work. We like to no-till our soybeans, but the corn we like to black it up and and get get that worked up. But we can't get we can't get in the field. And ideally, we'd love to be done planting corn the first of April. But you know, we still got we still got old oh, four, four weeks worth of drying to do if it doesn't rain again, and then weeks worth of groundwork to do.
0: Wow, yeah, that uh, that's no fun. And and you're right about these ruts from last fall, and in some areas, ruts from the last two falls that are still out there. That's I I don't know. We've been talking to a lot of guys about this. What are you doing with the ruts? And guys are saying, well, we're probably just going to level them off and hopefully be able to deal with them with some deep ripping in the fall. What What's your game plan if you can get out there? We don't
9: deep rip rip around here at all, Maverick. Um, we'd like to be solid no-till, but you know you you make ruts one year and then you got to go back and work it and it's west the following fall follow way you, you make worse ruts so we're kind of behind the eight ball there but our we'll run a mulch master type field cultivator slash disc uh through all the soybean grounds rut it up and kind of cover them up um we won't do a lot of we won't do a lot of deep deep tillage we hope that we get dry in the summer wait we don't hope we get dry in the summer but usually we get dry enough in the summer that and um, we got quite a bit of clay in our soil that it cracks pretty good, and kind of helps take care of that, take care of that compaction problem. It's not ideal, but you know that's probably the best we can do in Southeast Kansas.
0: Yeah, I know what you mean. In the summer, it's it's going to get hot and dry at some point, so that that will change, no doubt about that. All right, how about uh, how about the rotation? You mentioned you'd like to normally be done planting corn here by the first of April, but obviously not going to happen this year. Does that change anything for you, or are you going to have to switch out, or you still got plenty of time?
9: I hope not because in our area with our strong basis on corn, uh we can I can make better money uh with corn and we can soybeans right now. We'll wait, we'll reevaluate things probably the third week of April. Uh we'll still plant some corn but um we upped our corn acres from over last year um just because it's a little bit more profitable for us. But, you know. nothing's profitable right now it's all in the bag still and and watching these markets sink the last couple weeks has been kind of tough to tough to handle so
0: just out of curiosity marty what maturity corn would you be planting if you could get it in here uh, right now
9: most uh, mostly um, 108 days are our mainstay we're gonna get some 90 day uh 96 day put in this year because we haven't grown early corn in the past we've got we're planting 1,800 acres, so it'll take us a while to harvest that. So we wanted to kind of space it out. And then we're actually trying some 115-day, which we've been a lot of years since we tried something that, that long, just trying to kind of space, harvest that, and kind of find the best variety for the conditions in the year.
0: Yeah, yeah, that'll be interesting to see how that turns out. I I know growers in some parts of the country they've got a really tight window. About oh, I'm just going to plant 98 to 102 or something like that. But uh, I like to see a little bit more gap in there. Maybe not this much. That's that's quite a gap. 20 days from the top to the bottom. But you should learn quite a bit this year for sure.
9: Yeah, yeah, and in our area, uh, there's a lot of people plant 112 day corn, and there's a lot of people plant straight 90 day corn. It's just (laughs) We're we're it's we're in that weird area, kind of on the Mason-Dixon line of north and south, and and that, that's kind of that's kind of the way it works around here. So
0: yeah, it's interesting. Always different challenges uh, as you travel around the country. That's why Farmer Friday for me is super fun. Hey Marty, uh, hopefully things dry out for you. I know that's frustrating when you're trying to get planting. We'll we'll maybe be in the same boat here in a couple weeks when we'd like to get started too. It's it's plenty wet out there right now. We got some more rain on the way, but hopefully the sunshine comes soon.
9: Well, this whole, this, with this whole coronavirus, it'd be a lot better to stomach it if you're stuck out on a tractor for 18 hours Absolutely. a fuck news.
0: <laughs> I, t- I totally agree. Hey, Marty, good luck here. Really appreciate talking to you and stay safe this spring.
9: Thanks guys. You bet.
0: Yeah, he's, he's right on the money. It'd be a whole lot more fun to be out in a tractor, uh, not, not worrying about any of these other things you're hearing about on the news. Uh, we should dive into the ag phd mailbag getting some emails that are coming in here as well uh got one uh, from kevin that i'd throw out at you brian uh about uh why don't you hit the ag phd mailbag music alex so brian's happy he doesn't even want to answer a question until that comes on. No, I don't know why that I makes him smile question. so much. All right, got one for you from Kevin over in Illinois, and he he uh, is interested in dry inoculants. Wondering if they still make dry inoculants uh, yeah, products like Ritastic. He's interested in
1: definitely. Yep, there are certainly dry peat-based inoculants out there. I, I would say if you want to treat at the planter, right as you're going to plant. We really prefer the dry products, and the reason why is because we don't want you to have any bridging issues. When you have that stickiness of the liquid, that can be a real problem in the spring, especially when, think about it, usually we're planting when it's cooler and it's very, very humid. So you don't get those liquid products to dry on very quickly. So yeah, we act and in our tests, we have found that some of these dries are as good, if not even better, than liquids. So if you can do dry right at the planter box, that's a fantastic way to go.
0: All right. Yeah, the inoculant is interesting. And a lot of guys are doing the double inoculant, and that's been uh, a popular well, thing too. Uh,
1: well, I don't, I don't know what you consider popular, but I will say this. if well, Let's say you haven't raised a lot of soybeans, or if you had flooding last year, that's where the double inoculation thing really pays. And what we mean by that is have your seed dealer treat the liquid on the seed, or you can do it yourself, and you do that in advance, maybe a few hours in advance or something like that, and then when you get to the field, then you throw even more inoculant on with the dry. The purpose is to get more of the rhizobia, the beneficial my, rhizobia bacteria out there. The rhizobia don't survive super, the best strains, often don't survive super well in the soil to begin with, but it's even worse, obviously, if you have flooding Or if you haven't planted soybeans in quite a number of years, that's one of the things that we absolutely would encourage you to do. And you're only spending an extra dollar or two. So it's no big deal, very small cost, and you quite often will get a a bunch more nitrogen because of the double inoculation as opposed to single.
0: All right. Thanks for the question again, Kevin. I uh, got get a question here from Matt, and he said, uh, I was watching your television program and you were discussing scouring rush as the weed of the week. We used to have scouring rush really bad on our ditches, uh, our ditch banks, which we eventually, eventually moved out into the field too. But he said, after a ton of research on this, I found out that crossbow, when mixed with non-anex surfactant, actually does a pretty good job. Uh, now, I know what you're thinking. You can't really spray that out in the field, but spot spray applications could, could work out okay for you, and uh, it's something that, that certainly can be a real problem. He said if spraying near a bean field, you, you absolutely got to be careful, otherwise volatility can certainly be an issue with this, but just wanted to let you know about Crossbow and the, the response that I had.
1: Well, that's good. In the past, we haven't seen out of any 2,4-D product great performance what crossbow is that's 2,4-D or let's call it LV4 that's specifically what it is so it is 2,4-D ester together with remedy and you may be familiar with remedy ultra that's triclopyr that doesn't have residual but it's really good on many brush species so that's typically where we're using it is non-crop areas for brush where we can't have a bunch of residual all right,
0: uh, another comment on that Weed of the Week, John said, I've been using Sandia or Permit, which is sulfuron. That's really lit it up more so than Gramoxone has, but it oh, has been a little bit more expensive. Hey, John, thanks for that. Yeah, I've heard about that too. I've heard Permit has been been good for some guys. If you get in the right – crop rotation to be able to to utilize those products and and do it safely and yeah it's kind yeah it's one of those things that it's it's just a bad problem it's a tough tough weed when it doesn't have that leaf area it's tough to get stuff to stick on there so using the non-ionic surfactant like matt had said i think might be a good strategy as well well it is farmer friday and our show today our phone lines are open throughout the rest of the hour 844-44-AG-PHD stay tuned
7: Success isn't just about maintaining your operation, how you make out for the season, or how much you can get from each acre. It's about doing precisely what needs to be done to feed your crop and grow your legacy. All the way down to the last drop. AgroLiquid Precision Crop Nutrition. Apply less, expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. Wherever you go, whatever you're doing,
2: whenever you want. Farm your way with Case IH AFS Connect. Now you can farm, share data, and manage your fleet, however, whenever, and wherever you want. Learn more at caseih.com slash farm your way.
3: Hey, Bill, any advice to control tough weeds and
2: rootworms? That's That's easy, Jim. Buy two, save three. Wait, for weeds and rootworms? Buy two, save three. Combine your Impact or new Impact Z herbicide purchase with a qualifying insecticide
7: and save $3 per acre. Buy two, save three. That is good advice. For details, go to buy2save3.com. Impact, Impact Z, and Buy2Save3 are trademarks owned by Amvac Chemical Corporation. All rights reserved. Impact Z is a restricted-use pesticide. Always read and follow label instructions. Find your full potential and increase your bottom line with
8: branded generic fungicides from Atticus LLC. Fungal diseases can be devastating, but Acadia, Slant, and Talaris 4.5F from Atticus deliver lasting, broad-spectrum fungi control so your soybeans, sugar beets, and dry beans can thrive. Growers across the region count on Atticus for relevant and reliable products that deliver results every time. Ask your local retailer about Atticus products and visit AtticusLLC.com to learn more. For value-based solutions you can trust, turn to Atticus. Always read and follow label instructions.
0: Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD radio broadcasting from the Morton studio today and uh, taking your calls and questions at 844 44 AGPHD. Got a series of questions here uh, from Thomas who wants us to take a look at uh, manure and soil samples. He's been using chicken litter for about 10 years and he's worried he might have some nutrients that are tied up because his phosphate levels are getting really high. You know, Thomas, one of the things that I, I look at with manure, I think it's a great supplement. I, I think very rarely it's a perfect solution for everything. And so oftentimes we think about, oh, I put manure out, so I'm good. You really need to get an analysis on the manure always and then use some commercial fertilizer to, to pick up wherever you're going to be short in. And, and I agree with you. When you have some fertility out of manure that's really high in phosphate, Then we can only use it every so often, and we've got to make sure if we get phosphate levels way up, we've got to get our other nutrient levels up to that same kind of level, especially zinc. I often think about zinc when it comes to phosphate, that we want to get that somewhere in a 10 to 1 ratio with what we've got that phosphate at.
1: Yeah, so when I look at this quick, there are a few things that stand out to me. So, number one, I don't have tests on sulfur, for example. We'd like to see complete tests. I, I mean, I really want to know, what's what are my base saturation levels? I, I mean, how am I doing on everything, not just a few of the nutrients? Next thing, in terms of your phosphorus, I, I don't really see any major issue that's standing out to me. Your phosphorus is actually not very high. You're only at, let's see, it looks like, well, there's one spot I see. I, I've got seven tests here. One spot that's 300 pounds, that's 150 parts per million. I would say that's a nice level. 200 pounds, that's about 100 parts per million. That's usually where I would like to be, around 100 parts per million. But you've got a bunch of them, also 55, 61, 79 pounds. That's not that much. So it's not like in every area you have ridiculously high levels of phosphorus. In terms of your zinc, where you have high phosphorus, then you've got to have high zinc or you're going to have a problem. And for the most part, I mean, you're doing fairly well with that. Where you have the highest phosphorus, you also have the highest zinc. Now I might still bump that just a little bit. So for example, where you had 309 pounds of phosphorus, you only have 20 pounds of zinc. But let's put it this way. You can you can pull that phosphorus down real fast compared to how you can pull the zinc down. And that's exactly what ended up happening in our farm. We get our phosphorus levels up a long ways. And then we basically took a couple years off of putting much phosphorus out and just in just a couple years of big crops, we get our phosphorus levels too low in relation to the zinc that we had out there. So I'm just trying to say that takes constant management. And we, like Darren said, we would like to be somewhere around that 10 to 1. And and we can, we can say that fairly definitively because for the last couple of years, just for example, on our farm, we've had one acre grids. And that's allowed us to go out there and compare on every single grid point, on over 2,000 grid points each year, the yield and the fertility level then. And so we've looked at the phosphorus to zinc ratio and when we get that phosphorus to zinc ratio too high or too low we are losing yield so there absolutely is something to this that you, you want to have that right ratio but in terms of other nutrients being tied up you know i don't see anything that stands out that's really bad maybe your manganese is just a little bit low i would say obviously boron's a little low you've got uh Let's see. I was just looking. Did I see the cation exchange capacity? Did he say he had lighter soil? I mean, there's a fair amount of organic matter there. But anyway, the point is, yeah, I would still do a little bit more in boron. I'd still do a little bit more in manganese. But yeah, the phosphorus zinc ratio is probably the number one thing. And then I'd love to see base saturation K because I can tell you right now in terms of pounds of K, you don't have that much. So I know you need more potassium, and that's not necessarily tying anything up or it's getting tied up or anything like that. Just you need more fertility to get to the yield goals you want, and there's tremendous variance in your fields here. So, or I don't know if this is one field or whatever it is, but start working on fixing that variability. You got spots that look pretty good and other spots not so good.
0: Hey, thanks for the questions, Thomas. Really appreciate that. I got this one from Churchill. He said, I've got Dish TV in the last two weeks. Your Ag PhD TV show hasn't aired. Some other program's been in the time slot and the menu says that you're supposed to be on. Do you know, have they taken it off the air or what's going on? No,
1: no, no. Um, I I know with this whole COVID-19 thing, the coronavirus deal, this is... Preempted a lot of shows in the last couple of weeks. We still are on. You can still catch us on uh, on agphd.com. But like RFD TV, for example, that carries a show all over the country. Yes, it's absolutely still airing. No worries. We should be back on again this Tuesday. Now that's as I say that. As you know, at this point in the world, anything can happen. So I certainly hope we don't have a whole bunch more bad news and we have a bunch of the regular shows that have to get preempted. We fully expect that everything will hopefully be back on again this coming week and you'll be able to see the show. And again, for any past episodes, you can certainly watch on agphd.com.
0: All right, Brian, I got to... Question here is from Jennifer. She said, I'm a beginning homesteader and I'm renting a house where dogbane was allowed to grow wild. The Previous owner thought it was a type of milkweed and they wanted to have it around for the butterflies. Well, we were wanting to move some pigs into the area, but I know dogbane is poisonous to animals. So I'm wondering, What would you suggest we use to control hemp dog mane? And can we ever remove pigs in the area due to that root structure? The only plants that would be affected if we did use something to kill the dog mane would be two young trees that we started growing last year that we were going to try to keep for shade. Also wondering if we just burned the stalks, will the ashes be poisonous from these dog mane plants? Because sometimes our dogs eat stuff in the burn pile. Well, that's a good question. You know, when we've got a perennial like hemp dogbane, the best thing that we found is using Roundup. And the reason that we like Roundup is it moves down into the root system. Unfortunately, if you've got grass in the area that you want to keep, it will kill the grass. So it would kill any of the plants that that are growing in that area besides the dogbane. So that's what I would use because it'll kill those plants, roots and all. Uh, and eventually, yes, you'd be able to uh, put animals back in there. With your two trees, though, what you could do, Roundup is not something that if you sprayed the soil around that you're going to necessarily kill those trees. You could cover those trees, uh, use a tarp or something over the small trees and keep them from being sprayed, and you could save those trees. But again, I don't know, if you're trying to get grass growing in the area, I don't know that you have anything that's going to completely kill those dog bean plants. Can you think of anything, Brian?
1: Uh, Sure, I can. It's easy. All you have to do is basically take Roundup on a paintbrush and paint the dogbane or what we used to use in the old days was a they'd call it a weed wick or a weed wiper it's just a rope that had roundup on it and you would wipe over the top of those plants so i mean i'm talking pure roundup just painted on that that dogbane dead
0: yeah, the the problem is I don't know anything other than using a herbicide. I can't think of the tillage will not work. It'll actually make nope. more hemp dogbane yes. come. Yep, and so that's that's a real challenge. Uh, and you know the only thing I could say that would be non-herbicide was just if if it's a small area, just put a tarp over it and leave it be dead for the whole year. Right. That that might be a shot to get rid of it that way, but then you lose the use of that land for the whole year, too. So that's not necessarily – and that's no guarantee there won't be some that come back next year.
1: So I I, I must have missed it, but why didn't they – why did they not want to use herbicide?
0: No, I, I'm just saying, just in case she didn't say one way or the other if oh, if okay. that was an option or not. I, I just <laughs> wanted to give a couple of options. Yeah,
1: when you said that, I'm like, did I miss something there? But anyway, no,
0: and I would say this for anybody else that's listening that says, you know, I'd like to have some milkweeds around for for the butterflies, uh, and that's totally fine if that's what you want to do. But do look at what type of milkweed there are because there's some milkweeds that just aren't even a host for monarch butterflies so we've we've talked to a number of growers and and uh, just homeowners over the last few years that what they thought they had was not exactly what they had and even some places that have given out what they thought was milkweed seed it hasn't actually been milkweed seed and you've ended up with trouble like this hemp dogbane for example it's a tough tough weed to get rid of and butterflies do not like hemp dogbane and it can be a poisonous plant
1: Okay, so the other thing you could do is spray every single month with 2,4-D for about three years. Oh, boy. Well, I'm just I'm saying, not... you just keep you just keep hammering it, hammering it, hammering it, and pretty soon it gives up and it's dead. So, yeah, I don't like that option. The, the best and easiest way to go is, well, it's not easy, but again, if there's some way you can wipe Roundup over the top of these plants... That's what you got to do. That way you don't have to literally spray everything because, yeah, I mean, that's, that's the other choice. You kill everything with Roundup, a very high dose, wait a week or so, till it all up, reseed it.
0: All right. Sorry we don't have any better answers for you, Jennifer, but there, that is the solution for hemp dog bane. Really appreciate the question. Well, thanks for listening to our show today. We really appreciate that. I know going into planting season here, a lot of stuff going on. So really excited about some of the upcoming shows we have as well. So be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD radio. Now stay tuned for Rob Sharkey and Shark Farmer Radio.